Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Amen and amen. Please be seated. I want to say this. I want to beg you in the name of Jesus, anybody you care about, make sure they don't miss next week's service. Did you hear what I said? If there's anybody you genuinely care about, make sure they don't miss next week's service. You see, this ministry has blessed me so much personally. If I wasn't the pastor, I would still be here. My mom had carried an affliction for at least 10 years. At least 10, she was so used to it. She was healed during reboot camp. So she said she wanted to wait three months to be sure. <laughs> I don't think she should have done that. So she waited. And so she sent it. She first told my sister, because my sister knows very well about it, and said, look at this. And she was like, wow, what? Glory be to Jesus. So I'm, I'm just looking at myself personally. My wife was healed. My mom was healed. God is good. If you love people, you will invite them. You will. And then you want to talk about the growth, spiritual maturity, establishment in discipleship. Lives are being changed. And we're grateful to God because we have just begun. Say, God, the ministry of the Spirit, part three. The ministry of the Spirit, part three. Listen, in elementary science, we were taught something called fire triangle. Who remembers fire triangle? <laughs> Some of you have forgotten. Well, fire triangle tells us that to produce fire, three things must be present at the same time. Heat. Oxygen and fuel. Fuel spelled F-U-E-L. Heat to ignite the fire. Oxygen to sustain the fire. Fuel, something to catch the fire. And if you remove any of those elements at any time, the fire will go off. People who have a business in extinguishing fire, they know this, they teach this. So to remove fire from any place, they just remove one of the elements. They know this because all three elements must be present at the same time. Fire has a science. Fire can be produced. Fire can be controlled. When we want to cook, we know what to do. We know how to start a fire. We know how to control the fire. So even our gas cookers have different burner sizes depending on the amount of heat that we want. And each burner has a regulator. You can regulate how much heat you want. So fire has a science. Fire is not a mystery. And why am I telling you this? Because as it is scientifically, it is spiritually. As it is scientifically, it is spiritually. Once upon a time, fire was a mystery. And that's because mankind had a lot to learn. We were still in the stone age. Did you ever play as a child 
you maybe you were hitting metals together or stone together, and to your surprise, there was a spark. Has that happened to you before? Raise your hand. Now, did it happen that you tried it again and it wasn't it, it, it didn't happen as much as you thought it would happen, right? The same way. Man must have discovered fire accidentally. We were just striking, you know, and it just happened. But as time went on, we mastered the science of fire. Now, if you want to cook food, it's not a prayer point. You're, you're not thinking, will the fire start? Will the fire not start? You know it will start. Because we have mastered the science of the production of fire. The same thing we must do spiritually. You know, um, when suddenly there is a move of the spirit birthing, you know, many souls added to the kingdom and strange signs and wonders. We call it a revival. We think it's sudden. We think it's a surprise. But that's because spiritually, I hope this doesn't offend you, it seems like many of us are still at the stone age. And we must learn these things. So, you see, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he came to his disciples. And what did he tell them? He says, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You know, and so, 120 of them were in an upper room, praying and waiting every day. And then the Bible says, suddenly, when the day of Pentecost was fully, fully come, suddenly, there was a rushing mighty wind. Now, it seems sudden, but it was not sudden. Anyone who understood biblical prophecy would have been able to plot accurately when the Spirit was going to come. Because everything that the Spirit did in the church at the advent of the Spirit had parallels in the Old Testament. So now, in the Old Testament, you had the Passover, which was foretelling in a figure the death of Christ. Are you listening to me? Now, after the Passover, at the Passover, apart from what they eat, they will slaughter lambs. Don't forget the blood on their lintel. Remember the exodus from Egypt? Now, that blood represented, uh, of course, the sacrifice of Christ and our security in Christ. So they were meant to eat inside with blood on their lintels. Salvation. Fifty days after the Passover, they were to celebrate Pentecost. You are not hearing me. They were to celebrate Pentecost. Now... Many centuries after Christ comes, of all the times in the year to die, he died during the time of the Passover because it was foretold. And then when the time of Pentecost was fully come, 120 people were in the upper room and suddenly, it appeared sudden but it was not. To them, to the writer, he said suddenly, but it was not sudden. It was planned. Planned since the time of Moses. Revealed at the time of Moses. Planned before the foundation of the world. It was not sudden. There is a science to this fire. Sound of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues as of fire came and sat on the head of everyone. They began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave utterance. You know, it was chaotic, but it was beautiful. Now, thousands of people are out there wondering what is happening all there. What is this that we hear? You know, and a small percentage of the people start mocking and they say, oh, these ones are drunk. And Peter stands up to give a response explaining biblically the supernatural manifestation that they were seeing. 
And he says, this is, we're not drunk. This is just the third hour. This is what Joel said. Do you also remember that David said, Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your holy one to see corruption. Listen, he said, David's sepulchre is with us. So he couldn't have been talking about himself. He says, but David being a prophet foretold the advent of the Spirit that when Christ would die, after three days he will rise again. He explained it biblically. And this tells us that every move of the Spirit must be backed with a proper theology of charismatic ministry. Listen, it doesn't have to be a mystery. Every manifestation we see in our midst can be explained. There is a reason why sometimes people fall. There is a reason why sometimes, you know, the manifestation of the Spirit happens the way it happens. It can be explained. What I am telling you, the body of Christ really needs. Do you know why revivals don't last? It is because we have not learned to discover what was foiling it. Because we thought it was sudden. Because we thought it was mysterious. Then we couldn't sustain it. We couldn't sustain it. I hope I don't get in trouble saying this. But listen, I believe that we have wasted many gifts in this church. I'm talking about the celestial church, the body of Christ. We've wasted many mantles have gone with generals. This is what I mean. When you hear of the kind of... God has been so gracious to this nation. It's almost as if of all the great men of God given to the whole world, 70% came here. 70 you hear of men like Archbishop Benson Idaosa, the things he did. You know, he had a crusade once. And some people, as they were leaving the crusade, they stepped on high tension. And a good number of them died on the spot. Just imagine, at least five. So he was still in the crusade ground. He had finished preaching, so they told him. So he just came back up, picked the mic, and said, In the name of Jesus! And all of them came back to life. Are, are you listening to me? You, 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 when you hear the kind of things this man did, you hear of Apostle Ayo Babalola, because of the demands of ministering to people one after the other, ministering, healing, he just went to a river, blessed the river. When people saw that every sick person who drank of that water was healed, they started calling their friends. Listen, this was not a social media age. So listen, you, can, you could not engineer a revival just by sponsored posts. If people are coming, something right. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? This, this is not branding. If people are, if you gather a crowd in that time, you must, you must have touched something. Now, they say people drank the river dry. Trust Nigerians now. Some Igbo guys would have brought container. Nah, I'm sorry. <laughs> would have sucked like half. <laughs> holy water. You just see us saying holy water productions. <laughs> holy water enterprises and sons. <laughs> I love Igbos. <laughs> they must be studied. Hallelujah. But now that happened. Now, this is my humble question. 
How is it that such generals who went away not up to 60 years ago or maybe 70, you cannot see 30 people who are doing ministry at the level that they did it. Something is wrong. And the reason is this. The body of Christ actually does not know how to receive mantles. We don't know. We don't know about revival, how to sustain revivals. We think we know it, but we don't. Is this something you're interested in or should I move on? We think we know it, but we don't. I watch the way people go about things like this, you know. First and foremost, the first mistake many people make is they just put these guys on the category of Old Testament prophets. Old Testament prophets, you can't covet what they have. When Moses stretches out his hand and the part the Red Sea divides into two, on the other side, it doesn't occur to anyone to ask him, how did you do this? How can I walk here? You don't ask those questions because he did it because he's Moses. Like, he's a once-in-a-lifetime prophetic gift. Such that for Elijah to step into a certain realm in the manifestation of the prophetic, Elijah has to go. He's once-in-a-lifetime. That for you to be a priest after the Mosaic law, it doesn't matter your passion for God or your love for Israel, you had to be a biological descendant of Aaron. Those kind of limitations happen, you know, so we still have that Old Testament perspective when we see some people walking in this power, we just have this self-sabotage, we can't walk in it. That's the first mistake. Now, the second common thing is this. Even those who believe they can receive the mantles, you know, the way they go about it. Many times I've gone to preach somewhere and someone will just accost me when I'm done. Say, please pray for me. What should I pray for? A double portion of your anointing. <laughs> and now I'm wondering, first and foremost, even if it was mine to give, why do you think I would jump past all the people who have followed me for years, Pastor K, Pastor Mike, you know, who have followed me faithfully, faithfully since 2008? and give you a double portion because you ask nicely. <laughs> we have a lot to learn. That you think in a meeting, because the meeting was hot and you, you, you liked the preaching, someone will lay hands on you and a double portion. Do you, know, do you even know what you're asking for? Another thing that we do commonly is to sow a seed. So some people will just, you know, I tap into, listen, mind you, the Bible actually says, he that is taught, she communicates with him that teaches in all good things. So it's, it's a Bible teaching. But do you know, nowhere in the Bible do you see the mere suggestion that money can launch you into the operation of the gifts of another man? It's not biblical. It does not work. In fact, you stand a better chance being disqualified with that idea. Your money will perish with you if you are not careful. You can't buy it with, with money. You can't. You can't sow into it. Listen, your gifts 
might be a reflection of your heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? So your money is going where your heart is. It's the heart that is attracting it. That's why it feels like the gift is working. But it's not the gift. Are you listening to me? What does the Bible actually say about this? You know what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12? It says, don't be sluggard. But instead, be followers of those who through faith and patience, through what? And what? Who through what? And what? Listen, he's telling you how to follow. Every manifestation in the body of Christ is replicable. What you need to follow is the faith and the patience. So listen, let me break this down for you. If you want to follow a man of God, let me say, Pastor Iya Adeboye, and this is very timely because we're in a transition phase. If you want to follow any man of God, the first thing you must look out for is his faith. What does he believe? There is a theology that is fueling this manifestation. Don't first and foremost go for his prayer life. That's important. I'm coming to that. That's under, under, under the patience part. You must learn his consecration. But the most important thing is theology. One of the first men of God I followed in the formative years of my Christian work, Pastor Chris Oyakilome, you know, those days, to cast out devils would take about 40 minutes. I'm telling you. <laughs> I can tell you that now. Because that's the way I was taught. You'll be negotiating. You say, come out. You know, say no. So you remove your tie. Come out. By the time you are done, if someone comes into the room, they won't know who had the demon. Who? Because it will look like you also, you have been delivered. <laughs> because both of you are sweating. Both of you are miserable. And so I, I just happened to stumble on a video, a very simple video. In his meeting, someone who had a sickness had been healed. But the sickness was caused by a demon. So she had been healed of the symptoms, but the demon was still there. So they went, you know, you know how they do, give Jesus a big hand. So talk to me, you know. So they brought the lady for a testimony. And as the lady was approaching him, it was as if there was a force field of glory. As the lady was up, she started to vibrate. And he just said, come out, come out, come out. Three times. I say, ah. What I do, 40 minutes, only three times. Out, 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 ah. I said, there is some I must learn. I went, I got all his materials. Let me tell you something. There was no material out there that I didn't watch. No book I didn't read. And then eventually, I listened to one sermon. <laughs> he said, there are no strong demons. Ah. I said, sir. <laughs> you have come. He said, Jesus has defeated all of them. He said, the stronger demons are easier to cast out. Ah. I said, I said eh -eh, explain to me, eh -eh, this is why we are here. He said, because the stronger demons understand authority better. And so when you say, in the name of Jesus, they will come out. I close the laptop. I say, I've got it. Are you listening to me? 
from that day till now. <laughs> from that day till what? It was no long after that I entered the room. So just to exchange pleasantries, I waved at someone, hi. I said, Pastor Bright was in that room. It was not Pastor Bright, then it was Bright. And she hit the floor, bam! And demons left. It was not a meeting, I was not preaching. Till now. Hallelujah. That's, that's how to follow. I, I, so now, there is a, so now someone is watching me casting out devils. Maybe you now go and sew the same type of suits. You do it the same way. Listen, there is a doctrine, a theology fueling the confidence. If you have not learned that, you won't see, you might see it once in a while, it won't be consistent. You have to follow first and foremost the faith and then next, the patience. You know what Paul told Timothy? He says, you know my doctrine and my manner of life. You don't just follow the doctrine, you follow the manner of life. How does he pray? How does he demonstrate consecration? How? So now you study the humility, you study the prayer life, you study the study culture, you study the work ethic, faith and patience. You cannot receive you can't walk in the shoes of any man without those two. If you get the doctrine, you don't get the patience. You won't, you won't walk in it. If you get the patience, you don't get the doctrine. You won't walk in it. It must be a balance of the two. Follow those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. So now, all I'm saying is this. When you see great manifestations in any ministry, before anything... Look out for the, there must be a doctrine foiling it. The reason why Peter will go to Cornelius' house, declare the gospel, and the Holy Spirit fell on all them that heard. You know, when he was telling the story, he says it fell on them as on us at the beginning. There is a, there is a system. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not one-off. It might have looked like an accident in Acts chapter 2, but there is a system. When the gospel is preached and it is mixed with faith in the hearts of men, they receive the Spirit. And that's why many times... When it comes to the teaching of the Spirit, we like the manifestation. Just flow, just flow. But we have to master the theology. It is the theology that will make it last. Listen, do you know why Papa Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, has more disciples, even though he's in heaven, he has more disciples in this country than many pastors that are alive? Do you know why? Because his own manifestations, he wrote about them. Because of that, the manifestations are replicable. You have to write about it. You have to explain it. So he has a book on tongues. He has a book on how you can be led by the Spirit. He has a book. So now, he has immortalized the manifestations of his ministry. The reason why you have generals in this country who went is because they did not... Respectfully, why do, do you know how many years ago E.W. Kenyon died? About 70 years ago. If you have seen or read the Kenyon book, raise your hand. Look at that. Look at that. 
you must pay attention to the theology. So now, when we're studying the spirits, there is a strong theological framework that we must master. And I want us to do that today. The ministry of the spirit. I want us to do something simple, a commentary on Romans chapter 8 from verse 9 to 11. And this is also going to be a recap of all the other things that we have taught about the ministry of the spirit. First and foremost, who is the spirit? Who is the spirit? Romans chapter 8 verse 9, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God, who did he call the spirit? Are you awake? Who did he call the spirit? Say it loud. It says, If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, who is the spirit? Initially, yes, he said the Spirit of God. Who has he called it now? So, now, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Now, someone is saying, how come? I taught on this the first midweek service of the month. There's a theological term for it. It's called secumensatio. Secumensatio explains that even though in the Godhead there are three persons, the three persons have mutual partnership in such a way that the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father and both are in the Spirit and the Son can say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Are you getting what I'm saying? So listen, the Spirit, who many theologians call the third person in Trinity, whether you want to call it that or not, is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. In fact, when you look at John chapter 14, verse 16, and see what Christ was saying, when you look closely, you see something interesting. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. The mere fact that he said another meant, he was referring to himself as the first. Are you getting what I'm saying? And now, he then in verse, I think verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That means in a sense, he was talking about himself. And it is in this regard that the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Christ. That's so powerful. And he is a person. Number two. He is not just a feeling. He can be felt, but he's not a feeling. His influence can be felt, but he's not a feeling. He's a person. And so you will know that you have the Holy Spirit first and foremost by faith. Are you listening to me? How would you know? What I'm about to share with you, I preached it first at the age of 19. It changed my life forever. Look at it. Look at verse, eight, verse 9 of Romans 8. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. How? If indeed that the spirit of God dwells in you. Everybody, Romans 8, 9. I don't like the way some of you are. Are you awake? Read Romans 8, verse 9 together. One, two, go. you know that you are in the spirit because you feel it all the time how do you know 
listen, this in the spirit that we talk about, you know, as if it's a position, as if it's a demeanor, as if it's, as if it's a, the, the temperature of the atmosphere. Nobody moves. As if the spirit is so sensitive and then if you just move your head, oh God, what have you done now? Now we have to fast another seven days. Listen, it can be spectacular, it can be sensational, but it is first and foremost a fact that you receive by faith. I know that I'm in the spirit because the spirit dwells in me. I may wake up sometimes and not feel in the spirit, but I am in the spirit. Listen, this changed my life years ago. Knowing that I'm in the spirit just because he dwells in me by faith. I'm in the spirit. Listen, I'm in the spirit every day. Did you hear what I said? I said, I'm in the spirit every day. I don't know about you. When I wake up, I'm in the spirit. When I go to work, I'm in the spirit. Even when I'm playing, I'm in the spirit. When I'm about to sleep, I'm in the spirit. Always in the spirit. I might be dreaming, sleeping on the bed, but I'm in the spirit. Always. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Listen, a senior pastor friend preached something that sparked my brain. I never saw it in that way. You know, he was preaching from 2 Kings 5, the story of Naaman. This guy who was a soldier of Syria, a commander of the army, but he was leprous. And it never occurred to me the implication of that. The fact that he is leprous means there are many symptoms. The skin is light or with red patches. You, the eyelashes fall off. The eyebrows fall off. You know, and all of that. But one of the most important symptoms is numbness in your hands and in your feet. So how is it that someone who cannot feel his hands is a soldier? Meaning he learned to wield a sword without feeling the sword. You're not with me. He learned... To wield the sword, it is not by feeling, it is by skill. I Listen, I don't feel the sword, but I know the sword is in my hand. And that's all I need. And as long as the sword is in my hand, I'm dangerous. As long as the sword is in my hand, I know what to do with it. Maybe that's a picture of how we must learn to function in the spirit. Thank God for when we feel it, even if we don't. We must learn to wield the sword even if we don't feel the sword, we know that we are in the spirit because the spirit of God dwells in us. Come on, somebody. If you have the Holy Ghost, you'll be more excited than that. I know to wield the sword even if I don't feel the sword. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, this changed my life. What if... You stop being so conscious about feeling and being more conscious about conviction. The Spirit of God dwells in me. I know it by faith. I've received the Holy Spirit since the day I believed. I was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, it says these signs shall follow not them that feel it, but them that believe. Come on! Not them that feel it, but them that believe it. Do you believe? In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. You lay hands, even if you don't feel it, you lay hands. Because the word of God said so. It says, and the sick shall recover. 
Not if you feel it, but because of the name. Not if you feel it, but because you did it. Hallelujah! We will step into a new realm of power when we start talking like this and thinking like this. He is beyond feeling. Number two, in this text, you also see the truth about adoption. He says, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know, I keep telling you, I don't know why I didn't find many people teaching on this early. I don't know. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about every other thing. How he helps us pray in the spirit. And you know we don't joke with it. This is, that's one of the first things you will, you will notice about us when you join this church. We pray in tongues well. Isn't that true? We pray in tongues a lot. But when you talk about the core ministry of the spirit, that's not core. It reminds me of, you know, one nursery book I saw in this country. There are many of them that are very silly, make no sense. There was one that was teaching children the functions of body parts. And they said, what is the head used for? They said, for carrying load. How many of you saw that, that viral? For carrying load, a head with a brain? As ridiculous as that is, that's how you know, we treat the subject of the spirit. Of all the great and more important things that the spirit of God you know, can give us, we talk about, you know, how he helps us, you know, you know, to get a better job and all those things. This is what we emphasize. But now he says, the spirit of God is for identification. If anyone does not have the spirit, he doesn't belong to God. But on the contrary, if you have the spirit, you belong to God. And so Peter, his theology was so warped. He thought it was only the Jews who could receive the Spirit. But as he was preaching in Cornelius' house, when he saw the Holy Spirit fall on them as he did on them at the beginning, he changed his mind. He says, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. Listen, it made him reconsider his theology. Go back to the Word of God to study properly, to find that indeed Jesus said, go into all the world. For adoption, you also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is a seal, proving that you belong to God. Listen, don't doubt you are born again if you have the Holy Ghost. It's that simple. He's a seal. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to God. If you have the Holy Spirit, you do. That's that, one of the strongest ministries of the Holy Spirit. Is assurance of sonship. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. Listen, so because you have the Holy Ghost, you know God is your daddy. And because he's my daddy, I have eternal security. Say loud amen if you believe. Next, he also talks about sanctification. Oh, I'm telling you, these three verses are so loaded. Verse 10, he says, And if Christ is in you, 
Though the body be dead because of sin, the spirit gives it life because of righteousness. Meaning, he said it to the church at Galatia in a different way. He said, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the what? Because of the spirit, you no longer have to follow the sinful propensities of your flesh. Though the body be dead, the spirit gives it life. You don't have to wait till you receive your new body for you to be effective in manifesting, you know, all that God has, you know, bequeathed to you in his Christ. Though the body be dead, the spirit gives it life, you know. And so in verse 12, even though we're not studying verse 12, Put up verse 12 very quickly. Romans chapter 8 verse 12. He says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. You see what he's explaining? To live after the flesh. Why? Because though the body be dead, the spirit gives it life because of righteousness. Say loud amen if you believe. Yeah. We have a powerful sermon on that from last week. Like I, like I said, this is a recap. And now to the final biggest one. I would to God that your heart to be open to receive this truth. It's, it's, it's life changing. It, it changed my life. Are you in verse 11 of Romans 8? Everybody as loud as you can read Romans 8, 11 1, 2, go. to go. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also do what? Will also do what? Will also do what? Now this scripture directly tells you the influence of the spirit, the ministry of the spirit. He describes the spirit in a particular powerful context. This is the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead. Now that spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He said if that's true, he will also. Someone say also. He will also quicken. That word means resuscitates. He will also give life to your mortal body by the same spirit that dwells in you. That's the ministry of the spirit. So listen, someone who is just growing in the things of God will think that what God did in his Christ was exclusive. Wow, God is powerful. Jesus died and he was raised on the third day. But listen, you start growing in the things of God when you understand that all that God has done in Christ, he has done in his church. Did you hear what I said? This is so important. This is the true doctrine of baptism. Not just that you are put inside water. That is just a symbol. The true baptism is this. That God has immersed you into the experience of Christ in a practical, salvific way. That when Christ died, I died. When Christ was buried, I was buried. When Christ was raised, I was raised. And if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, he will also quicken my mortal body. So listen, 
The picture you must have of the Holy Spirit is this. He's a jetpack. That's the title of this sermon. The ministry of the Spirit, part three, jetpack. Do you know what a jetpack is? It's a backpack that you use to fly. When we talk about the rapture, that Christ is coming again, and that in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, your body will be changed. Mortality will be swallowed up by immortality. The Bible says God will come down from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who are still alive will be caught up in the clouds with him. And so shall we ever be. How is this going to happen? How do we fly? In this world, if you want to fly, you need a plane. But in the spirit, <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost. That's what the Holy Spirit for. He's your jetpack. He's your jetpack. So listen, we have already strapped up. Don't you understand? We are ready for the rapture. The moment it comes like this, that, that, pam, 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 pam. <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs> Everybody do like this. We're, we're out of here. Amen, somebody. Listen, this is so powerful. This is important. He's telling you that the same engineering by which Christ was raised from the dead is already at work in you. All that is left is the voice of God. His voice activated. There is something inside you that at the sound of the trump of God, Boom. Hallelujah. When Jesus began to levitate to be received in the clouds, the angel said, why, why is this surprising? Has it ever happened to you that, you know, a technology that is common to you is strange to someone else? One, the first time I knew that poverty is real. My mom, you know, I love the way they brought us up. They never gave us this consciousness that we're better than others, superior, you know. So there were some people around our house those days who used to live in an uncompleted building. One, many times, my mom would bring them on Saturday. They would sit on the table with us, eat with us and everything. Play with us. They would wear our clothes. We'd give them clothes. And one day, one of them said, I want water. So I opened the fridge. And you stood there looking. He had never seen a fridge before. And I said, take water. I didn't understand what was that. I said, take water. And he said, it will burn me. It was much later, I realized that the mesh in the fridge looked like the mesh they used for suya. That, that's the closest he had seen. He thought it was going to burn him. It was hurt. He thought I was making a prank. You know, in the same way, Jesus is levitating and all those disciples are amazed that, eh? Like, wow, like, he's talking to them. Isn't that cool? And he's just going up. And the angels, you know, angels don't have a sense of humor. I, I, I mean, I'm telling you. Zachariah asked a simple question. <laughs> how shall it be? You know, this is why, this is how you know God just might be a feminist. Same question Mary asked. <laughs> Same question, Maria, anyway, because Zachariah knew she should have known better. Zachariah was praying, praying for a child. Mary was not. Mary did not know any man. Zachariah was knowing his wife. 
So how can it be? What do you mean? <laughs> you know. But, but the angel still has no chill. I am Gabriel. As, as an angel tapped you before, very, why so violent? One day I was supposed to be praying, you know, I just sat and I slept off. I slept beyond the time I was supposed to wake up and pray. I said, yeah, yeah, wow, wow, wow. So I thought my alarm was on. I woke up, I checked my phone. It wasn't the phone. I said, wow, we are getting creative now. <laughs> when the angel enters the prison, he, the Bible says he smote Peter by the side. Bah, get up. Like, guy, say good morning. <laughs> so, I mean... He just ruined the phone. Those guys are looking. Jesus is levitating. You know, and they're like, wow. They say, why are you looking? Don't you know that the same way he's going up, he'll come down. Like, guy, give us a moment. Jesus is going. But the fact is, they were astonished at our astonishment. Why are you surprised that someone is going? All of you can do it. The same way he's going, all of you will go to meet him in the cloud. Why, why are you looking? What's, what's there? We all got it. Hallelujah. The resurrection of Jesus is proof that will be resurrected. I'm bringing this to a close. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Please, have you learned anything? 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Akabongri sepaya. I've read that to you from my heart. So let's look 414. First Thessalonians 414. This is very powerful. Are you there? I want you to highlight this in your Bible because of how powerful it is. Read together one, two, go. Listen, wired into your fabric of faith. The fact that you believe fundamentally. That God raised Jesus from the dead. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him all who sleep in Jesus. It is one theology. As surely as you believe Jesus rose again, you must believe that those who believe in him will rise again. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not, what? perish but have what and so Paul is surprised when the church at Corinth began to peddle one false doctrine and some people one sect believed that there was no resurrection no life after death and so he begins to say I mean now if Christ be preached that he rose again how say some of you that there is no resurrection from the dead he, he doesn't make sense to him first Corinthians 15 12 how can you say there is no resurrection if Christ was raised? Don't you know that Christ is our prototype? He's our prototype. So as surely as Christ was raised, we will all be raised. How do we know that there is life after death? Because a man named Jesus died three days and rose again the third day. So Paul, when he was preaching in Athens in Greece, he says he has given all men assurance that there is a resurrection by raising Jesus from the dead. All men. So by the resurrection of Jesus, you have assurance. And how does that assurance come? By faith. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, 
from verse 13, we'll read verse 13 and 14. Rise to your feet with your Bibles in your hands. I lift my voice to you. You're the awesome God. I lift my hands to you. Awesome God. Awesome God. Say, I lift my hands to you. You are the Awesome God, say. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God, you are. Awesome God. Awesome God. Hallelujah. Are you in Ephesians 1.13? Read verse 13 into verse 14 as loud you can want to go in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after you believed you were what with the Holy Spirit of promise verse 14 as loud as you can want to go who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the priest let me tell you something it doesn't matter how popular falsehood is the word of God remains the word of God. And what is the word of God? That nobody who has the spirit should doubt he will make heaven. He said the Holy Spirit that you have is your guarantee. What does he call him? What does he call him? What does he call him? It's a guarantee of our inheritance. Meaning as surely as the spirit resides in you, you have guarantee that you're making heaven. what the word of God says. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of our purchased possession? He has already bought you with a price. He has already, your body, your celestial body is already waiting. And you have guarantee. Listen, so imagine, I don't know if this is you, but when I was flying for the first time, I had flight anxiety. You know, and I just felt that maybe something will go wrong and they will not allow me end on the plane. What if I forgot one document at home and you were checking and double checking? And did that happen to you? Be honest with that. Like, like you're just nervous. Like they would just say, hey, you don't have this thing, go home. And how painful it would be. You know? So when you check in, you feel Phew, all right. Now just imagine you see someone already in the plane. The plane has not yet taken off. With his passport in his hand, with his ticket in his hand, and he's fidgety, and you're like, bro, what's the matter? And he's like, I don't know if they will allow me to fly. You will just be like, sorry, one question. Your first time? You, now your first time. Because everybody knows it is weird to have all your documents and be in the plane and doubt. It is very strange. It is an anomaly in the realm of the spirit for a Christian to lack assurance of salvation. To be saying a job our room. It's, it sounds sweet, but it's wrong. 
Now you're begging God like a wicked parent. What kind of parent will forget to take his child from school? When you come to collect your people. What kind of child? What kind of parent? He says he has given you a guarantee. Did you hear what I said? I have assurance. I have a guarantee. I'm waiting for that glorious day. I'm not one of the people who are scared of the second coming of Christ. We are crying Maranatha. Come quickly. Come quickly. The only reason we want him to take some time is because we still have more people to tell this message. But we, we're good. We are ready. Come on, I said we are ready. We have guarantee. He says in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. If you have K-leg, don't worry. Your new body is straight, it's straight, it's straight. If you have big head, don't worry. God's got you. Hallelujah! If you've been worried about getting old, you have a new body that cannot get tired, cannot get weary, cannot get sick, cannot grow old. Give him the prize! Woo! He said mortality shall be swallowed up by immortality. Hakapali and the Swallowed up. Oh, death, where is your sting? This is the boasting of the church. Oh, grave, where is your victory? He has conquered the grave. Death could not hold you down. You are the reason. See that? Say. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.